Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Who Am I? <laughs> Who Am I is the game show where we help our contestants peel back the layers to figure out who they are. What's that, you ask? Who am I? Well, I'm your host, Dude Cha Cha. <laughs> and now, let's meet our one and only contestant of the day. You thought you knew her. She thought she knew herself. But let's meet her. Okay, everyone. Let's ask the question, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. That's right. You know her. You love her. She is Sarah. Hi. But here at Who Am I, we want to peel back the layers and find out who you are at your core, because you're more than just a name. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? All right, Sarah, let's peel back that outer layer and show us who you are. I am a sinner saved by grace! Awesome, that is amazing, and yes you are, but wait, there's more. Everyone help her out. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Ready? I am learning to live like a saint! Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely it is, and that's a process, but guess what? That's not it. Everyone? Who are you? Who are you? That can be hard sometimes, can it? Ooh. You're doing a great job, Sarah, but that is not the core of you. Let's keep going. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I am learning to love you! Well, Sarah, that's great, but that's a different kind of game show. Here, we're trying to figure out who you are. Number three. Yeah. So, one more time, everybody. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I am marked by God's love. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that is the greatest love of all, but we're not to the core yet. We've got more to give. More? Everyone help her out. Who are you? Sarah, wonderful, and that's great. But everyone, this is it. Oh, We've man. pulled back the layers. We're ready for the common denominator. We're ready to find out who Sarah really is. Sarah, are you ready to find out? All right, everyone. Let's break through the last barrier. Show her some love, and let's find out. I thought I was working from home today. <laughs> awesome. All right, announcer voiceover guy, what have we got for you today? Contestant today has won the realization that she is a child of God. We could give her prizes, but next to that realization, why bother? <laughs> Promotional considerations for today's show brought to you by the Book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, check it out. It's still there. <laughs> today's wardrobe provided by closets. Closets, not just for Christmas decorations. <laughs> Who Am I was filmed in front of a live studio audience. 
all of whom received air for breathing, compliments of God and Day 2 Industries. Yeah, wow. What a, yeah, definitely. Phil and Tom and Sarah, wow, what a great job to introduce our new sermon series, I Am a Child of God. So welcome. Glad that you could join us this morning. If you were watching online, we are so glad that you are with us. Uh, we're not quite that goofy all the time, but, well, Sarah is, but the rest of us aren't. But uh, thank you for joining us. Um, a special hi to our friends out at Bainbridge. Uh, this is their first Sunday of having simulcast, so great to have you with us this morning. Um, I heard a rumor, yeah, I give, sure, give it up, give it up. I heard a rumor that I actually look a little taller on simulcast than in real life, so that's, that's good. And um, a special welcome to our friends out in Cincinnati as well. Um, we've had a lot of talk about the building in Bainbridge and those kind of things, but there's some exciting things happening out there. And you guys, uh, when you came in this morning, you saw that the work has already started on the expansion there at Cincinnati. So uh, God's doing some good things, and it's great to be here and to worship together this morning. So I got a question. How many of you are readers how many of you really enjoy a good book? Got some good, got some readers out there? Okay. Now, of you, of those of you that are readers, how many of you really enjoy fiction? That's just your jam. You really like fiction. Okay. Yes, you better raise your hand, dear. Um, all right. How many of you are nonfiction readers? All right. So that's me. I'm a nonfiction reader. I, I, I enjoy first-person stories, uh, biographies, that kind of thing. This particular book actually is a, is a compilation of, of first-person observations of, of athletes, just famous sports figures, people that I, you know, I'm curious about. I'd like to know more about them. I'm never going to get a chance to meet them in person. I certainly am not going to get to know them in any intimate way, uh, but it's, it's interesting to read somebody else's account that has. They, they have shared life with them, and they've, they've observed them behind the scenes, and they get, they get up close and personal and get to, get to know them a little bit better. Now, maybe, maybe you're not a reader. Uh, maybe you really enjoy movies and, and, and TV shows, and you like the, the fiction involved there. And, and usually a good story, you know, a good writer draws you into the storyline, but they also help you to get to know the characters, right? They really, they do character development so that you get personally attached to the character. And of course, they do that so that they can kill them off later in the story, right? But there's, there's just that attachment that you get because you get to know that character in the story. Well, I want you to keep that, that thinking uh, in your mind as far as the f- a first-person perspective and in, in, in observing things and, and seeing things up close and, and getting to know people as we go to 1 John chapter 1. And so if you would join me in 1 John chapter 1. And this morning we're going to read this together. We're actually going to read all the way down to chapter 2, verse 2. You know that the Bible wasn't written with verses and chapters, and so the thought really continues into chapter 2 a little bit. And as we're reading this, I also want you to think back to the Gospel of John, because John is describing here Jesus. And it takes a little bit for us to to get into the passage to understand that. The first few verses um, is... Uh, there's a lot of symbolism there, 
Um, and he doesn't necessarily mention Jesus directly uh, until he gets a, a few verses in. But, but very similar to the Gospel of John, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when, when John, in the Gospel, is talking about the Word, he's talking about Jesus. And the same thing is true here. Now, as we, as we read through this passage, what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask you to stand, if you would. And, and those of you are watching at home, I know it might be awkward. I know when you're, you're, um, you know, you're, you're singing along or not singing along with the worship songs online is kind of awkward. But we're actually doing this as an act of worship. And so if you're watching online, if you're watching it at the other campuses, I would encourage you to please stand as well. I'll be reading 1 John, uh, starting verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim it to you, that is the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we were writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now this is the message we heard and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Now if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He he is the propitiation or the substitution for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is God's word. Hear it, believe it, live it. Thank you. You may be seated. So we, here in this opening chapter, we have, we have John that's reviewing the gospel with us, the good news about Jesus Christ, and he's giving us an eyewitness account. And if, and if we were to summarize this in just a very simple phrase, it would be this. It's where sin met forgiveness. You see, we, we all have sin. But it's because of the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's through confession and forgiveness that we can be called a child of God. You see, very similar to what we were talking about in the songs that we sang. I am a sinner saved by grace. And now, you know, it's important to note that in that phrase, it doesn't say I was a sinner. That, that would be true, but it would be limited. 
right? Because as we look at this passage, it doesn't talk about just the confession of our sin when we, when we make that decision to become a Jesus follower. It talks about the fact that we are going to continue to sin. I am a sinner. We are going to continue to sin, and we need continued confession. See, there, and, and we could spend a lot of time talking about that this morning, Oftentimes when, when we look at 1 John chapter 1, we focus on verse 9 and we talk about confession of sin. But listen, there's, there's a lot of other words that we could uh, focus on this morning in this passage. One of them is in chapter 2 where it talks about that, that Jesus is our advocate. It, it's a legal term. He's our lawyer. He's our representation. He is at the right hand of God standing there representing us before a righteous and holy God, we could, we, could un, we could spend the entire morning unpacking that, that idea. Another word that's in here is that, that $50 word, propitiation. He is our substitute. He is, he is our sacrifice. He took our place on the cross. You and I, our sin should have put us on that cross. But instead, he took our place. He was our substitution. We could spend the entire morning unpacking that as well. And if you really wanted to dive deep into some deep theological debate and discussion, we could even go to the end of verse 2 there where it talks about that his sacrifice was, was sufficient for the sins of all the people of all the world. So if you want to get into the whole Calvinism debate, there's a term called limited atonement. Man, we could, we could fight that one out too. But listen, there's, there's a word that I want you to focus on that honestly isn't here, but it's implied. Because like if you, work, if you look at verse 2, it talks about a definition of God. It says, Father. In fact, in verse 3, it says the same thing, the Father. And in chapter 2, verse 2, it talks about Jesus is an advocate for us with the Father. You see, it implies this word. It implies relationship. Relationship. If you remember when we were going through the, the sermon series about the names of God, one of the places we landed was in Galatians chapter 4. And in Galatians chapter 4, Paul is describing the, the process by which we are adopted into the family of God. We were once sinners. We are saved by grace. And because of that transaction, we become sons and daughters of the Most High. We are, we are joint heirs with Jesus. And as we walked through the names of God, we, we, we saw that name Abba, Daddy, Abba Father, Daddy God, a name of relationship. So this morning, if, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you have decided to become a Jesus follower, it is because of that principle, the fact that we are adopted in sons and daughters, that we can make that statement, I am a child of God. Would, if, if, if that describes you, would you say that with me this morning? I am a child of God. You see, that's, that's a statement of relationship. But here's the thing, relationship is a really broad word. I mean, it has a lot of meanings in our, in our language and in our culture today. 
I mean, all you have to do is look at social media and, and look at how it defines relationships. You, you define your relationship whether you're married or you're single. You're single-seeking men or single-seeking women. Or the, or the worst one is, it's complicated, right? That's how, that's how it, relationships are described. But there's, there's another word here that is in the text, and, it, and it's used repeatedly. In verse 3, it says this. It says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, that eyewitness account of the gospel, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That word, fellowship. Fellowship. In fact, if we were to go on and, and, and read further, if you go down to verses 6 and 7, it, it, it says this, that, that if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, this idea of fellowship... Now, I don't know about you, but what's the first word that comes to your mind when you hear that word fellowship? What's the first word? Listen, I can hear Melvin all the way from Bainbridge saying the word food. <laughs> food, right? That's like when we talk about fellowship, like a lot of times that's what we associate fellowship with. It's food, it's breaking bread, it's, it's having a meal together, it's having a coffee together, right? That's, that is how we often define fellowship. But listen, there's a, there's a contrast here between these words, relationship and fellowship. Because you see, sometimes relationship is in name only, it's a title, it's a designation, it's a status. But fellowship, fellowship is different because fellowship is something that we do. It's participatory, right? We participate in having fellowship with one another. And so, although that word relationship has a very broad meaning, fellowship starts to narrow it down and, and, and define it and maybe take it to a, a new level. Now this morning, I want to leave you with a Greek word. Now I know we try to avoid spending too much time talking about Greek words. We don't, we don't get into that every week. You know, some churches do. Some really want to delve into, you know, the original languages and all that. Uh, but this week, I think it's important to really, I want you to walk away with this Greek word. Because it's very similar to another Greek word that we talk about. We talk about the word agape. You've heard that word before, right? Is we, we talk about love. We, we, we talk about the Greek word agape. And the reason we do that is because the Greek words just define it so much better. Like the word, like the word relationship, the word love just has such a very broad meaning, a very broad context of how it can be used. But this word that we have here in 1 John is a very distinct and unique word. In fact, it describes relationship in a better way than our English word does. And the word is this. The word is koinonia. Koinonia. Now, maybe you've never heard that term before. 
I don't know if, if that's true. I'm glad that we're introducing this word to you this morning. Maybe you've heard this word a long time ago. Uh, maybe your introduction to this word was a, a Christian rap song that came out many years ago. And in fact, it's hard to believe it's been 14 years that this parody song came out. But if you've never heard Baby Got Book, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look it up on YouTube, okay? Now, if you, if you get Baby Got Back, you got the wrong song, don't watch that, please, or you're gonna have to go to verse nine and confess your sins. But, but if, if you look up Baby Got Book, it's a parody of that song, and it's a Christian rap song, and one of the phrases, one of the, the lines he says in there is like, oh, mama mia, you want to get some koinonia, right? And so maybe that word stuck into your head because of that song. But this morning, I want that word to stick in your head because of what it really means as we talk about this, this relationship that we have, that I am a child of God. We first see this word koinonia in Acts chapter 2. The early church is, is growing it, it immensely. It's adding every day new believers. And they are fellowshipping. They are coming together. They're worshiping together every day. They're breaking bread. They're, they're sharing a meal together. They're praying. And they are growing. And we see this word koinonia. In fact, it describes it as this, is that, that the early church shared everything. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting that, that we all return to com communal living, that we sell everything and, and, and join a commune together. But listen, they had so much in common. They, they had this intimate type of relationship, meaningful relationship, that, that their fellowship went beyond just sharing a meal together, and, and they're sharing life together. See, that's... That's koinonia. And to summarize John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, I think it really helps us to look at the explanation in verse 3. Because it, it says that we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. We, we, I witnessed Jesus himself. And we can, we can give you that first person account of what it means to be a Jesus follower and what it means to the, the truth of the gospel. So we, we claimed all those things so that because as a result of you may also have fellowship, you may also have koinonia with us. And our fellowship, our koinonia is also with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And so if we were to summarize chapter 1, it, it's basically this, that because of the conf our confession and forgiveness of sin... Because that, that Jesus is both our substitutional sacrifice and our advocate. Because that we are a child of God. Because of that, we can have relationship with God and other Jesus followers. We can have fellowship with God and with other Jesus followers. But more importantly, we can have koinonia with God and with other Jesus followers. Deep, meaningful, intimate. You see, we can have koinonia, we can have that kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father 
the creator of the universe. We have access to him through his son, Jesus Christ. And we can have that deep, intimate relationship with him. And then as a result of that relationship with him, we can also have that same kind of deep, intimate relationship with other believers. You see, that is exactly how God created us. God created us for that koinonia with himself and with others. Now here's the thing. We could, we could get to this point in, in looking at the chapter and we could, we could celebrate, we can rejoice the fact that, that, that we can have that relationship with God. We, we can celebrate the fact that, that we can have that deep relationship with others. It's a great truth of, of God's word. But honestly, I would only be doing half of my job this morning. Because the, the question is, now what? What do we do? And so this morning, I, I want to suggest to you that, first of all, everything hinges on that first part, having koinonia with God himself. Not just going through the motions, not just coming to church once a week, but having that deep, intimate relationship with God. That's where it all starts. But then I want to leave you this morning with some action steps. Where do we go from there? Once, once we've really developed that relationship with God, where do we go from there? Now, some of you may be already anticipating the obligatory infomercial for connect groups and for growth process. We talk about it a lot around here. But rightfully so, because connect groups is where we can take that level of relationship and go beyond just mere knowing one another Right? So we go from a relationship, we're, we're Bereans, we have a connection to each other, right? to, to going and, and, and having fellowship, sharing a meal, sharing prayer requests. But then the goal of Connect Group is to go even further right? and to develop that deep personal relationship where we are really connecting on a different level than just a mere relationship and bumping into each other on a Sunday morning. You see, that's koinonia. And we could talk about growth process and, and the fact that, that as you're working through that together, you have a mentor and a learner and, and, you, and you're working through God's word and you're, you're, you're talking about how it applies to our lives, right? It's, it's taking that relationship to fellowship, fellowship to koinonia. But listen, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about those because we talk about those all the time. They're an important part of everything we do. So I want to give you three very clear action steps of how you can get to that level of, of koinonia with one another. And the first one is this. You need to be brave. You need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. You need to be willing to, to, to say to people, hey, could we... Could we get together? Could we, could we share life together? Could, could we study God's word together? Could we get to know one another? Here, here's the crazy thing. We literally, we're, we're all these people 
running around, bumping into each other. We were, our, our paths are crossing, and we all want this. We all desire this deeper relationship with people, but yet no one has the courage to step out and ask. Be brave. Approach somebody and say to them, hey, can I share life with you? Can, I, can we study God's word together? You see, that is the desire of God for us. God doesn't want us just to come here on Sunday morning and worship him. That's good. That's a good starting point. But, but God designed us to, to go deeper than that with himself and also with others. So the first action step I would suggest to you is this, be brave. But then the second one is this, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to, to take the time to build relationship. And listen, I realize, you know, you don't just, the first time you meet somebody, you don't just tell them your whole life story and barf, you know, all your problems on them. You're like, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But, but eventually, like, relationship builds into fellowship. Fellowship builds into koinonia. And when we reach that point of koinonia, it's where we're willing to be vulnerable. And we're willing to, to, to tell the other person some deep, our deep, meaningful thoughts, the things that we struggle with, the things that we get excited about. The word I, I think of is, is transparency. Listen, 2020 hasn't been the only time that we wore masks. Some of us have been wearing masks to church for a long, long time. You see, we need to be vulnerable. We need to be able to, to share at a deeper level. And even though 1 John chapter 1 here talks about confessing our sins to God, James 5.16 says that we are to confess our sins to one another. Now, I don't think that means that we come on Sunday morning and we stand up and confess our sins as part of our Sunday morning worship gathering. I think that what that's talking about is this exercise of koinonia, this having a deep personal relationship with another believer that you're able to be vulnerable and to share with them what you're struggling with. So you, you, need, you need to be brave, you need to be vulnerable. The last thing I would suggest to you this morning is that you need to be available. Listen, we need to make time for meaningful relationships. And I know that's a struggle, that, that, that maybe is even a struggle to do within your family. But listen, I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning that meaningful relationships are more important than most anything else that you possibly could be doing. And if you're struggling with, with having meaningful relationships with your family, listen, family first. But once you, once you have those meaningful relationships within your family, you need to be willing to step out and to have relationships with other people. Koinonia. Listen, here's the thing. When people reach their deathbed and they deal with a thing called regret... Very few people reach that point at the end of their life and they, they say, 
I wish I spent more time watching Netflix. Man, I really connected with that fictional character. Listen, I'm not suggesting that watching movies or reading a good book is, is a bad thing, but, but listen, that's not the most important thing. See, when people reach that point of regret, they regret things like not taking risks. They, they regret things like not doing the things that they really wanted to do, not going to the places that they really wanted to go to, but most importantly, not having those deep, loving relationships with others. You know, there's a famous quote that says this, if you have two friends in your lifetime, you're lucky. If you have one good friend, you're more than lucky. Now, I would suggest that luck has nothing to do with it. And in fact, if I were to rephrase that, I would say that if, that if you have relationships, that's good. And if you have fellowship with people, that's even better. But if you are going to have really a full life, and if you are really going to have the life that God designed for you as a child of God, you need to have koinonia. You need to have those deep, meaningful relationships. Because, you see, God created us for koinonia with himself and with others. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? This morning, if you're listening and you have never made that decision to become a Jesus follower, I, I can't give you a better argument than this. God designed you to have a relationship with him, to have a deep, meaningful relationship with himself. And so if you've never made that decision, to put your trust in Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to encourage you to speak to one of us and give us an opportunity to show you from God's word what it means to really be a Jesus follower. See, Jesus paid the price. Jesus already was our substitute. He paid the cost of our sin so that we could have a relationship with God. But this morning, if you're a believer... I hope this series, as we go through it, and we talk about our, our position, our relationship with God, that we are a child of God, that there are certain outcomes, there are certain things that happen as a result of that. If we are a child of God, we should be having deep, meaningful, intimate relationships with other believers, koinonia. So this morning, my challenge is seek God's face Be brave, be vulnerable, be available. A gracious God, it's, it's a, a mind-blowing concept that, that you want a relationship with us. You are the creator of the universe, but yet you want a personal, close relationship with each of us. God, help us to, to pursue you, to seek you, to, to get into your word, to spend time in prayer, to, to separate ourselves out and, and to be focused on you so that we can build that deep, meaningful relationship with you. We can have koinonia with you. And God, as we do that, help us to, to, to do that with other believers as well. God, we want to have fellowship. We want to have koinonia. We want to, we want to be able to worship and honor you 
and to act as a, as a child of God the way you have designed us. And God, we just thank you for this truth, and we, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray.